Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Yeah, well, what I learned during the campaign is that there's a big difference between uh, what people in America care about and what people in Washington or in the media care about. We need to have the Attorney General redact it to make sure there's no national security classified material, no grand jury minutes, and I would submit nothing that is critical of people who have not been indicted and haven't had an opportunity to respond. Mr. Barr gets to handle this. That's how the law works. And Mr. Barr has made it, uh, made it clear that he's going to uh, release it to Congress before he shows it to us. That's his decision. So we're going to let the system work. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. You are live and direct on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And we're so glad to have you here. Look, we got a jam-packed show for you today. We have Keisha Russell. She's a First Liberty Institute Associate Counsel. She's going to join us to talk about this new fad that the liberals are engaging in of banning Chick-fil-A from airports. Like, that's going to stop people from eating Chick-fil-A. Honestly, liberals must not understand that if you're in the airport and you're jonesing for some heavenly chicken and you can't get it there, that you'll just get it at your destination. You'll get it when you get back from your trip and you'll go as often as you want because they can't stop you from visiting Chick-fil-A. Um, and they're not even hiding it. Like th That's what's so funny about that. So we'll be talking about that with Keisha. Uh, we're also going to talk about closing the southern border. The president has threatened this before. I've been yelling for him to do it. Just do it. Just pull the trigger. Come on, shut it, shut it down. Uh, we don't know if he's going to actually do that, but he is sounding very serious about moving the resources that are currently manning the points, uh, ports of entry moving those resources into the uh, areas that don't have a wall. Interesting, right? So we'll see. Um, also, did you know that we were going to sell F-35s, stealth fighters? We were going to sell them to Turkey? Uh, yeah, to Erdogan? Yeah, we were going to sell our... Uh, yeah. So anyway, they have to first deliver before they give you the jets. They give you all these training modules and we'd already begun delivering those. And now President Trump has pumped the brakes on that. And we're going to discuss why. Why would the president at first be OK with selling our stealth fighters to them? And then why the sudden reversal? So we'll discuss that in, in segment three. Right now, um, I have this I have two great stories for you um, that I want to dive into today. And the first one is about this young woman. She's 15 years old and she has been, um, you know, going to regular school, and she liked eating a certain spicy sauce on her food that was sold at a restaurant that went out of business. And so when the business went down, um, she said to herself, and she, she started, this is, she's eight years old. <laughs> Let's get some perspective here. This little girl is eight years old. And um, she says, well, mom, I want to make this sauce. So she's growing up in New York. And then um, she's eating the wings and the wing place shuts down and that means she can't get the sauce anymore. So she and her mom get together and here's the quote from her is, I love the hot sauce they offered. So I went home and tried to recreate the flavor. So her mom's name is Monique Creighton and her name's Tyla Simone. And they sell three sauces with unique tastes that come in lemon pepper, spicy and tangy flavors. This all came from her wanting to recreate this spicy hot sauce. So now she's homeschooled by her mom. Her mom has quit her day job and she works full time for their company. 
they're in 22 distributor areas. So supermarkets uh, are now picking it up, but they have 22 distributors of the sauce. And her mom says, you know, they, they're now reportedly raking in $8,000 a month due to the sauce. And she says it's exciting and scary at times, and it's stressful to balance my business and going to school. But I love doing it, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. People should know that it's never too early to start. And this is a great story, but you know what just adds a little bit more zing to this story? Because we've been covering on the show this week, and we'll continue to cover this push by the Democrats to make every person think they're a victim, but their special victims are those of us who sport the permanent tan. If you're black, the Democrats have a special kind of victimhood that they reserve only for you. Not even their, one of their key interest groups, the LGBTQ XYZ group, they're not even as big of victims as the black folks. Us blacks, we're just huge victims. We can't do anything on our own. And if there's not a Democrat in charge helping us to get stuff done, then, you know, we're doomed, doomed, like they say on the cartoons. So this little girl and her mom just happened to be permanently tanned. And I guess no one told them that they wouldn't be able to start a business, an eight-year-old, and sell hot sauce and many different flavors to all kinds of unsuspecting Americans who they haven't checked to see that the Creightons are black and so they can't buy the sauce. No imaginary white man has risen up and said, there's no way you're selling any sauce in America because you're black and you got to be a victim. Get yourself on Section 8. Oh, no. They just decided that they wanted to recreate a sauce that was no longer available to them. They recreated it and sold it first. You know, obviously, this was like a personal thing. They're just selling individual little bottles themselves. But now they actually distribute it, meaning the hot sauce has a label on it, the three different labels. It comes in a, a bottle that's standard to her business. They're manufacturing this. They're owning a business. This is now a small business success story. And I believe the glory goes to God, obviously. But it also is incumbent upon us, every one of us, you see a need, you fill it. She saw a personal need, which was she wanted to eat the hot sauce and she made it for herself. Others in her sphere of influence said, that's some good sauce. You should really think about letting other people get, get their hands on that. And that's how a, a small business is born. I, the story doesn't cover. It's a very short piece over at NBC4i.com. It's not one of those ones that's like an in-depth expose. They don't have any video that goes with it. But you can imagine that there were many times that maybe she wanted to watch a little bit of SpongeBob or maybe go somewhere on the weekend and instead, they stayed home and they went over numbers or maybe, you know, looked at different bottle sizes, compared pricing for different manufacturers or, or, you know, people who actually mix the sauce together, companies that would get that done for them. And they probably, when they, before they branched out and had three sauces, they had the one, they had to perfect it, they had to get feedback from people, they had to make changes, and they had to decide on what size bottle should this be and how much should it cost. There's so many, there's like a million little decisions that go into being a small business owner. And these two women, a mother-daughter team, and this started when she was eight years old, they decided they were going to undertake it and they made it happen. So obviously, most Americans don't believe that we're a country that's just chalked to the brimming with victims and black people are the main ones. But it is, it's, it's mission creep here, people. We've got mission creep on Americans on the whole believing that black people just aren't getting enough money from the government to help them with their plight. 
That used to be a, a very small percentage, like 30%. Now we're up, uh, I think, at near 50% of Americans who believe that the government just isn't spending enough on the black community to make any improvements. Now, obviously, that's just not true. We're spending more money than ever on the war on poverty. We're doing more than we've ever done before. And we do a really good job in America because our poverty-stricken individuals have more than you know, working-class people in other countries. And so perspective helps us to understand where we are. But there are so many more um, Creightons, Tyla Simones, just running around doing business, little kids who are entrepreneurs, um, who have started businesses that literally it's something they started at home that they like to do, and now it's a business. Look at all the kids who now program for the gaming industry or work for YouTube and Google, their kids, they got good at something. They started doing things on YouTube and now they're, you know, they're paid a lot of money to do what they do. And they're still going to, to, some of them are in middle school, some of them are in high school. Now, in some ways they're anomalies, but they're only anomalies if you think you can't do it. So any one of us can have this kind of outsized success. She doesn't say anything about, you know, their faith or anything in this piece. It's, it's really short. And I'll stick it up on Facebook if you want to read it for yourself. But I think it's worth noting, Tyla Simone Creighton, 15 years old, so she's been in business for seven years, almost half of her little life. She's CEO of Sienna Wings. She has a top secret hot sauce recipe, which she created from scratch at the age of eight. They now have three flavors. And she's an American, and she just happens to sport the permanent tan. It doesn't get much better than that, you guys. It, it really doesn't. So if you think you can't, you're not thinking straight. You can. You will when you decide you must. So go get it. If the eight-year-old can go get it, any one of us can go get it. Nothing can hold you back if you determine in your heart you're going to make something happen. Um, so now I want to pivot over to let's just get some political analysis from Dershowitz. He's in this clip talking about the demand for the public release of the full Mueller report. Now, you know, yesterday we had Professor Grossman on, and he made some pretty good uh, points about, you know, go ahead, release the whole report. Um, I, I, he was convincing. I thought it was interesting what he had to say. But we also have here Dershowitz who's saying there's no legal basis for Democrats to demand that. It's number two. I think even if Barr were hypothetically to refuse to issue anything, there would be no legal basis for a court to compel him to do that. Let me give you a shoe on the other foot Please. hypothetical. Let's go back to Comey announcing that he was not going to indict Hillary Clinton because there was insufficient proof of crime. And let's assume that the Republicans had information that there's a report within the Justice Department that says she's extremely careless in the way she handled it. And there was an effort by Republicans to subpoena that report. First of all, every Democrat would be up in arms saying you don't subpoena reports about people who have not been indicted. That's not the way the Justice Department works. Second, the court would say, no, this is within the executive prerogative. How is this different? Sure, this is a special counsel. The special counsel, under the rules, has an obligation to file a report with the attorney general. There's nothing in the rules that require the attorney general to make the report public, particularly if it contains information critical of people who are not indicted. So this is a political issue. Yeah, it's a political issue. Uh, and it, the double standard persists. And, and so nobody's shocked by the double standard, right? You're not, you're not surprised by that. Um, it, it just is what it is. So let's talk about some successes. We have a little bit of time left. And, and 
uh, in this first segment. And I want to I want to get to this because so this is important to me. It's important to Americans. It's important for us to have a balanced perspective of exactly what's happening in this country, whether we like the president or not. And so when President Obama was in office and I didn't want him there, but he was the president anyway. He was still the president of the United States. I was a citizen then, as I am now. He was my president because he was president of the country that I hold citizenship in. And I wanted desperately for him to do a good job and to be a good president, but his agenda ran counter to what doing a good job would actually entail. Now, he didn't commit any open crimes. You know, I mean, we, you, how do you measure success? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it looks like for you. I thought he was a really ungodly person, so it wasn't successful in my opinion. But there were occasionally, like out of the eight years, I'd find something that I was like, oh, you know, that good for you. That, that was good. Well, President Trump made a lot of promises on the campaign trail. And what we're not seeing from MSNBC and CNN is that he's been answering those promises. So I've compiled a list here for you. It's over at StacyOnTheRight.com. I want you to hear just a few of these things because this is what you're not hearing on the 6 o'clock news from your local Rip and Read AP folks, and you're not hearing it on CNN or MSNBC. You hear some of it on Fox, but here's this is a comprehensive list. I won't get to all of it, but let's see what we can do. Nearly 4 million jobs have been created since November 16. More more than 400,000 of those were in the manufacturing sector, which remember... Pessimism never wins in business. Obama said those jobs were never coming back. They're back and they're still booming. Economic growth last quarter, 4.2%. New, new unemployment claims at a 49-year low. Median household income, lo- the highest ever recorded, the highest level. Black unemployment, lowest rate ever recorded. Hispanic unemployment, lowest rate ever recorded. Asian American unemployment recently achieved the lowest rate ever recorded. Women's unemployment recently reached the lowest rate in 65 years. Youth unemployment, lowest rate in nearly half a century. Lowest unemployment rate ever recorded for Americans without a high school diploma. So this economic prosperity goes deep. It's not just at the surface. It's not trickle down. It's not crumbs like Nancy Pelosi said. 3.9 million Americans have been lifted off of food stamps since the election. The pledge to America's workers has resulted in employers committing to train more than 4 million Americans, the Trump administration is actually committed to vocational training, which is a way that people can come out of their old careers that are obsolete and have new careers that last for the rest of their lives. That's what they're doing. The business focus, it works. 95% of U.S. manufacturers are optimistic about the future, which is the highest level ever, ever. Retail sales are surging up another 6% over last year. And do you hear how I'm still talking? The music is going on. And I'm not done. GOP tax bill made small businesses lowest top marginal tax rate in more than 80 years. And I could go on and on, and I will, but after these messages, stay right there. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, we took the spices that we'd prepared and we went into the tomb. We found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When we went in, we didn't find the body of our Lord Jesus. Who took him? Where is he? Who took him? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Where's Jesus? He's not here. He has risen. Jesus was alive. He's alive. Jesus was betrayed, abandoned, mocked, beaten and then crucified on a cross for sinners like you and me. The Son of God was buried, 
and after three days, he rose from that grave. Urban Family Talk encourages you to rejoice in the glorious reality that our God is a living God. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I had the opportunity to teach each of our children how to drive. And early on, I taught them that the most important thing is to be alert. You know, see the entire road, but also be aware of people, cars, and animals doing the unexpected. You see, a safe driver has to have both sight and focus, to see it all, but to be aware of the specific. Aren't you glad that the God we serve has both sight and focus? God sees everything. He spans the entire globe, and yet he also zeroes in on us specifically. He knows us intimately. That's why I love Psalm 33, verses 13 and 18. Listen to these words. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. Ah, but look at verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness. Do you see both the general and specific here? He says the Lord looks from heaven. He looks out and he sees all the sons of men. He has a panoramic view. But notice in verse 18, behold, the eye of the Lord, an indication of his attention. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. There's a special attention that God gives. God focuses on those who fear him, who worship him. Oh, he sees you and me. But it's as if he says, I want those who reverence me to come closer. I want to give them special attention because they love me. They want to be with me. They revere me. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. God sees us. He knows us. But his favor is poured out on us when we honor, worship, and reverence him. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or urbanfamilytalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey there, welcome to the program. Let's go to the phones really quickly, and I will periodically dip into the wonderful list of accomplishments by the president. And as I was going through, I noted that there were, so I added a couple of pro-life ones um, that, that are recent, and they're down towards the bottom, but there are some other things. As, I, as I'm compiling it, I'm thinking, there's more than this, and the list is really long. You can find it at stacyontheright.com. Let's go to the phones really quickly. We've got uh, Mary in Pennsylvania. Hey, Mary, thanks for calling the show. Oh, thanks for taking my call. You make my ride home from work worthwhile. Oh, thanks. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, so I'm a librarian, but I also um, have taught makerspace at school. That's a kind of a new movement. And um, there are thousands and thousands of coding jobs that are going unfilled and are going to go unfilled because kids are not taught to code. So we have started to teach them to code in school. Um, and um, a friend of mine, uh, her son studied philosophy and political science in college and couldn't find a job, but he did teach himself a computer language and he works for Xbox in Seattle now. And uh, he actually can work from anywhere. So he's 
currently traveling the world and working for Xbox while he travels. Awesome. Wow. So, again, all of these opportunities for success um, and, and right? I mean, is, is that what you're you're sharing it's this is these are this is great news that's wonderful so if i were um if i i don't have any grandchildren but if i did i would buy them robotic devices like sparrows and ozobots and and learn how to code with them and the more they become comfortable with it then they'll be able to build upon that so wonderful libraries have their stuff school libraries you know so Awesome. Well, thank you for calling and sharing that. And that is good advice. Uh, Parents should be steering their kids towards STEM, but not all kids are going to be naturally bent towards that, or they might want to do something else. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for kids who are open to those opportunities, we should be sharing those things with them and encouraging them in those areas. Thank you for calling the show today. Um, So now it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. We have Keisha Russell of First Liberty Institute. She's associate counsel there. Keisha, thank you for taking time out to join us today. No problem. Thank you for having me on. So, you know, I just, I'm fascinated by the work that you're doing at First Liberty Institute. You have some analysis that I, I, I need the listeners to hear it because it's so well articulated by you, which is that it's really not um, legal or constitutional for airports to pick one business that can't do business in the airport um, based upon the religious leanings of the owners of the business. That's right. It's um, a constitutional violation, as a matter of fact, to um, for the government to make that decision based on the religion of, of Chick-fil-A, for example, is what we've been talking about. But mm-hmm. the fact that Chick-fil-A um, has a Christian stance and the fact that they give to other Christian organizations is the reason that San Antonio decided to deny them a spot in the San Antonio airport, um, despite the fact that Chick-fil-A serves everyone. Um, and I think it just proves that the only ones discriminating are the San Antonio government officials. So, you know what's funny about this whole story (laughs) is that they're shooting themselves in the foot because Chick-fil-A is so insanely popular. Like, wherever they open a store, the the funniest thing to see is people in the drive-thru on Sundays. Like, I've even done it. I've driven up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and Mm -hmm. pulled into the thing. And then I'm like, oh, no, they're closed on Sunday. And then I'm all disappointed because I can't have any, you know, what I call, my nickname for it is Heavenly Chicken. I can't have any Heavenly Chicken today, so I have to wait until Monday to get some. They really have a wonderful business model. Their customer service is is just top-notch. And they serve anyone, and anyone can work there. So what is this obsession with trying to make their successful chicken business about their social stances? I think, you know, despite the fact that Chick-fil-A is so successful, I think there's just a broader concern that the government is so comfortable um, making these hostile remarks about Christian businesses or religion in general. And and that's, I think, the, the biggest problem here is that the government officials were so brazen about their opinion about Chick-fil-A that they didn't mind that they were, you know, violating the law. They're also violating, you know, the fact that they have received federal grants. And by discriminating against Chick-fil-A for its religion, it's breaking its promise that it makes, makes to receive those federal grants. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about the like the way this is cracking out, though. I think we're now up to three airports that have banned them. It's almost like people are sitting around and they're bored because they can't talk about collusion in the Mueller report. So they're like, what can we do to like tick people off? Let's ban Chick-fil-A's from airports. Will this stand up? If Chick-fil-A decides to fight back, will it stand up in court or, or how does it, how do you get something like this reversed? How do they uh, like fight back on it? 
Well, it just depends on what the San Antonio City Council, like what the rules are for those kinds of votes. Um, but absolutely, if Chick-fil-A takes this to court, um, San Antonio is in a lot of trouble because the statements from the officials are pretty hard evidence that they were hostile to religion. And the court stated, you know, most recently in Masterpiece that when the government is hostile to religion that way, that is a violation of the First Amendment. Yeah. So would they be able to get some kind of compensatory damages or would it just be the kind of decision that reverses the the, you know, the edict that they can't have a store in the airport? I think it just depends on um, what, like I said, what the guidelines for San Antonio City Council says. Um, but if hopefully the council can reverse the decision before it gets that far. Um, if if there's a lawsuit and, and it goes to trial, that'll take a while on its own. And perhaps Chick-fil-A then could say, look, if we were in the, the airport this whole time, we would have earned such and such amount of money. And they could definitely, you know, try and get that back from San Antonio. So it's San Antonio... Um, and then I'm, I'm looking down my list, Chick-fil-A banned from, yeah, Buffalo, New York, um, Buffalo's Niagara International Airport. And it was, so it was, it was already in the works. So what I think what I was a little confused on is maybe Chick-fil-A was thinking about it, but they hadn't actually worked on it. But this story says there, these locations were actually planned and underway. Like they were about to, to open them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after all of that effort and time wasted, then you have this, you know, some summary ban coming from the city council area. Yeah, that's right. So in the San Antonio um, situation, um, Chick-fil-A was part of the contract that was presented to them. It was the officials who said, oh, we'll accept the contract if you exclude Chick-fil-A and only oh, wow. Chick-fil-A. Okay, so let's, 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 let's kind of go here, Keisha. How, because <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, <laughs> Can this same tactic be used? In other words, can you go to your city council officials and get, you know, basically tell them we're going to run somebody to unseat you next time. We want some help getting CNN out of the airport. Because if they can ban Chick-fil-A, why, why can we not ban CNN off the TVs in the airport? Right. And I think, and I think that's the point, really, is that, you know, they're, they're subjecting Chick-fil-A to unequal treatment and the government is not allowed to do that. And most importantly, they're making all their decisions about Chick-fil-A because they don't like Chick-fil-A's Christian beliefs. And that's, it's just so alarming. And I think no matter what religion anyone is, they should be really outraged about how Chick-fil-A is being treated here. Well, can, can we not just surmise that in the future, it could be a radically different landscape here in this country and any organization that actually believes in same-sex marriage Christians could say, well, you can't open your business in this town. You can't have your business in this mall. You can't have your business in the airport. This sets a precedent that if, if it's left to stand, if the pendulum swings in the other direction, then they would be the victims of their own bad behavior. Well, and that's kind of the irony of the whole situation, right? Because the city council screams about uh, not wanting to have business, businesses that, you know, um, violate their non-discrimination ordinances and those kinds of things, but they're the only one violating those ordinances right now. Chick-fil-A does not in any way. There's no evidence that Chick-fil-A violates any of their non-discrimination ordinances, but the officials seem to be perfectly fine with uh, violating those ordinances if they're talking about Christians. Hmm. I think uh, <laughs> I think that's the best the best summation of how ironic and double standard like this is like it's a total double standard can you imagine what the leftists would do what they'd say on cnn if 
there was a Christian business that said, you know, we, so we're not going to do, we're not going to do this with you or you, you can't have your business here just because your owners support the LGBT movement. You can't have your business here with us, like at the mall or something. They would literally, the ACLU would be there with, you know, tuxedos on in like 10 minutes. They would not stop until they got that overturned. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That would definitely be a, a, a much different, you know, outcome and response. Um, and, you know, it's just a shame that everyone wouldn't wouldn't come to the table and talk about how, how sad and outrageous this is because it's, it is a blatant violation of the law. And like I said, no matter who you, you work with or stand for, what your religion is, you should be able to see this for exactly what it is, and that's outright discrimination. Yeah, it is. Um, well, I think... What's wonderful is that you, your team over at First Liberty Institute, as usual, you guys are really quick on the uptake. You're right there to support Chick-fil-A. Is there any other action that you know of that they're planning on taking, or is it it's still kind of early for the, the story? Because I know it's just breaking. Right. So, um, you know, we wrote a letter to the Department of Transportation and asked them to um, review um, and investigate you know, San Antonio's actions. And you can see the letter at firstliberty.org. I won't lay out all of the the legal arguments there, but, you know, we're hoping that at the very least there's some kind of investigation about what's going on here. If, if it's even at the federal level, state level, you know, um, Attorney General Ken Paxton has called for an investigation as well. Um, and so we're hoping that that will kind of shed the appropriate light on the situation and the city council will be forced, you know, to rethink its decision. Um, and Buffalo will kind of follow suit um, out of fear of, um, you know, being found in violation of the law by a court. Is that enough of a motivation? Sometimes I, I get the feeling that people don't really care if a court finds them in violation unless there's some serious penalty attached to it. Well, I'm sure there's a way to find a, a serious penalty here, right? But um, I think sometimes, you know, the, the court of popular opinion will sometimes win if there's enough backlash. Um, it's possible that they could step back anyway. Hmm. Well, I'm so glad you guys are on the case. And I, I wanted to say congratulations on that Fox News hit. I, I caught that. I was like, this is amazing. And um, it, it's really great to have you on the program. I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Good to talk to you. It's Keisha Russell. She is an associate counsel at First Liberty Institute. And I really appreciate the work they're doing in supporting businesses just to have the same freedoms as everyone else, not more and certainly not less. That's fantastic. I want to get back to my list because my list is awesome. And you guys, you have to share this list. And um, you can also find a lot of other cool stuff that I've posted over at StaceyOnTheRight.com. But here, here's a, a few more tidbits. And we have just a couple minutes left in this segment, which is perfect. Um, remember the old Obamacare individual mandate? That's gone. Um, regulatory relief for community banks and credit unions. The president has actually enacted that. Record number of regulations eliminated, a whopping 26 for every new one. That was the record for 2017 and 2018. Not sure what numbers they're striking out for this year, but they're definitely on a tear getting rid of regulations. Uh, the president's administration helped win the U.S.-Mexico-Canada United bid for the 2026 World Cup for you sports fans. Helped win the U.S. bid for the 2028 Summer Olympics to be held in Los Angeles. And uh, we could go on some more. So we will. The president is actually providing more affordable health care options, the administration is, through association health plans and short-term duration plans, meaning people get to try something out before they have to commit to a year or more. 
that's great for people who are in transition. You know you're going to be off doing something like a special project where you have no insurance, but you know the next year you're planning on finding permanent employment. That's what this is about. The association plans just mean that like uh, employed individuals can get together and create a plan with the insurer. It's them negotiating with the insurer as a group. That's the way amazing things happen. Plans that fit the need of the group. You see, it's, it's like that custom latte or that Uber or that Airbnb. It's along those lines. Um, President Trump signed the right to try legislation. The administration secured $6 billion in new funding to fight the opioid epidemic. The Medicare program has been reformed to stop hospitals from overcharging low-income seniors on their drugs. This saved seniors hundreds of millions of dollars in 2018 alone. Uh, I mean, and that's a serious problem. If you've ever talked to any elderly people about their drugs that they have to take on a regular basis and how expensive they are, these are people who are on retirement, fixed incomes. They cannot afford these huge astronomical sums for their much-needed daily medication. So that is th- these are things that the president's doing that are actually helping real Americans at the level that you need the help. You need someone to say to the insurance company, let's find out a different way to get these drugs to these people that will mean that they can afford it while the insurance company is still netting, you know, still in profitability. Um, the Trump administration has actually reduced high-dose opioid prescriptions by 16% in 2017, which is a great start, and we're hoping to see more. The president signed the VA Choice Act and VA Accountability Act, expanding VA telehealth services, walk-in clinics, same-day urgent primary and mental health care services. The president has increased American coal exports by 60%. U.S. oil production has recently reached an all-time high. The United States is now a net natural gas exporter since the first time in 1957 withdrew the United States from the job-killing Paris Climate Accord. That was such good news. I'm still geeking out about that. The president canceled the illegal anti-cold so-called clean power plan. That's done. Over. Boom. Secured a record $700 billion in military funding, $716 billion for the next fiscal year. And America's NATO allies are now spending $69 billion more on defense since 2016. In other words, he said, y'all are going to pay more. You're going to ante up. You're going to help support the organization that's protecting you. And after some kicking and screaming and and foot stomping, they're doing it. Isn't that something? Any president before could have made that happen, regardless of political affiliation. They just didn't try. And he did. And so promises made, promises kept. I have more. He moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. He recently acknowledged that the Golan Heights is a part of Israel and that they control it. He's protecting Americans from terrorists with the travel ban from Six Nations, which was upheld by the Supreme Court. You want more? You got to go to StaceyOnTheRight.com. We'll take your calls when we get back. 866-963-2037. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. In 2008, Tony was feeling that the season would be his final year of coaching. In fact, my last game as coach of the Indianapolis Colts was a playoff loss to the San Diego Chargers. I remember walking to the press conference to announce my retirement, and my assistant handed me a letter. The letter was from a family who told Tony about the child that they were going to adopt. 
The family said their decision to adopt was inspired because they saw Tony talking about adoption on a TV commercial. God was telling Tony that after football, he was going to use him in some special ways. When God closes one door, be prepared for another to open. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. It's no secret that many of America's public schools are a disaster. In public school, teaching grammar school kids about transgender sexual habits, making them practice witchcraft using Ouija boards, indoctrinating socialism, and many other things have parents at a loss for what to do. Enter the copy committee. The unsung heroes of grade schools across the country are the moms who spend a couple of hours per week copying worksheets and handouts for the teachers. This job isn't glamorous or particularly time-consuming, and it's not exciting, but it is a great way to make a friend out of your child's teacher and get your eyes on every sheet of paper your child sees. We cannot assume our public school isn't engaging in these practices. Your child is in enemy territory, and you have to act accordingly. Monitoring the school can be a partnership with stay-at-home moms if you're a working mom. In other words, make it happen. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. I'm Hank Weinblum with your Word of the Week. Rarely has one word been so prominent in three major news stories. The Mueller Report. It was a complete and total exoneration. The president of his people are saying it's a total exoneration. That contradicts what the special counsel found. The arrest of Michael Avenatti. I will be fully exonerated. And the dropping of charges against Jussie Smollett. State's attorney's office saying he's not exonerated. He actually did commit this hoax. Exonerated means you're off the hook, cleared of accusations or blame. President Trump, uh, I think, finally uh, was exonerated. Mueller didn't exonerate Trump. The original meaning of exonerate was take a load off. Take a load off. Like a ship could be exonerated of its cargo. The meaning went from removing a physical load to lifting a criminal burden. Total exoneration. Exonerating myself from your word of the week, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We're also concerned about the effect of the American economy and the nation as a whole from having 100,000, more than 100,000 people cross illegally uh, this month. If we close the borders, why would we do that? Because we need the people who are working at the legal ports of entry to go patrol, and I'm not making this up, where there's no wall. We were not lying to people when we said that this was an emergency. Many, very, uh, very few people believed us, especially folks in the media and the Democrat Party. It is an emergency. I think you saw an interview with Jay Johnson this week on another network that said that the 4,000 people per day, which is what we had, I think, one day it's last week. Look, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of good ways to help solve this problem. Congress could do it, but they're not going to. Mexico could help us do it. They need to do a little bit more. Honduras could do more. Nicaragua do, could do more. El Salvador could do more. And if we're going to give these countries hundreds of millions of dollars, we would like them to do more. That, uh, Jake, I would respectfully submit to you, is not an unreasonable position. Um, we could prevent a lot of what's happening on the southern border by preventing people from moving into Mexico in the first place. 
but let's talk about let's talk about that for a second. If it's working so well, why are the people still coming? Why are these historic numbers? Again, 100,000 people will cross the border this month alone. Um, that, is, that, that is a crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis. It's a security crisis. I think, at least now, people are starting to realize that we were not exaggerating a couple months ago when we had this, this nationwide debate about the wall. So I hear what you're saying, that people say it's working, but the proof is in the numbers. It's not working well enough to help us solve our border crisis. Yeah, it, it isn't. And that's uh, Mick Mulvaney, and he's talking about the the reasoning behind closing the southern border. And in the interview, he was actually, uh, the questions he was being asked were, were pretty good. Like, uh, they were reasonable questions. And I don't think there's anybody out there who really wants to see the southern border closed just, just for the sake of closing it. But if that's what has to happen to stop the influx, 4,000 people a day... Back when it was a thousand people a day crossing illegally, Jay Johnson, who what held the same job, uh, you know, Homeland Security, uh, yada yada yada, that's Kirsten Nielsen, he said one thousand a day was overwhelming, and un, they weren't able to do anything about it. Like it was literally something that they could not work with. Uh, so now I want to talk about that major delivery to Turkey, which is so. It's so important. And I also I'm also going to cover here today the game changer. China just fulfilling their big promise to President Trump it has to do with the fentanyl overdoses that have been happening here. The fentanyl poisoning that's been going on. The president has made a wonderful inroad there. So we're going to get to that. But first. They've canceled the F-35 fighter jet equipment deliveries to Turkey. The reason for the cancellation is that Erdogan has decided to purchase a non-NATO missile defense system from Russia. So this is where the whole friends help friends thing comes in. Here in this country, you know, NATO members, I shouldn't say here in this country, members of NATO have agreements on what equipment they use and where they purchase it from. I know, you know, uh, you might be thinking, well, why can't they just buy what they want? Well, obviously, because certain types of hardware, um, like it's, it's basically if you're buying from them, you're not buying from us and you're going to use all of their stuff. So if you want high speed jets, then buy those from the Russians, too. But if you're going to buy our jets, then you would buy our missile defense systems. We would basically they have agreements on what they sell to each other. And usually the seller, obviously, we're the sellers. We sell the jets to the Israeli army and, and a number of other countries. And countries that we don't sell to are ones that we may be allies with them, but they're not the kind of allies that wouldn't steal our you know, property. If we sold them a jet, they wouldn't back engineer it and figure out a way to down it. That's why we don't sell jets to China um, and we don't sell them to Russia. So Russia has the... S-400 system. Um, so that you got the stealthy F-35 fighter aircraft. And a Pentagon spokesman said that we've basically taken this first concrete step to, to uh, block delivery of the jet to our NATO ally in light of Ankara's planned purchase of the Russian missile defense system. Now, stopping the shipments means that they're acknowledging that Erdogan has refused to back down from their planned purchase of Russian S-400 missile defense system that would compromise the security of F-35 aircraft. Because think about it. If they decide to buy the S-400, they could literally fly the F-35s 
and use the S-400 and test the efficiency of the American jet against the Russian hardware. And then, because they're obviously friends with the Russians, the kind of friends who actually share military hardware, they could go back to the Russians and they could say, look, here's how it performed well, and here's how it didn't perform well. You know, take this information and do with it what you will. Now, we'd have to be, you know, getting up pretty late in the afternoon to think that was a good idea, right? Like, we would want to prevent them from doing that. And it is just me. You know, obviously, I don't get intelligence briefings. I don't work at the White House. But just from my limited amount of knowledge, I'll say limited in that I'm no longer on active duty. I would have never agreed to sell F-35s to Turkey. They're, they sponsor terrorism around the world. Their leader has said many times he wants to establish a caliphate that emanates from his nation, from Turkey. And more than that, they held one of our Americans prisoner for like, how many years was that, that they had uh, that pastor locked up and then they had him on house arrest? They wouldn't let him out of the country. And it took finally President Trump coming around for them to do something about it. So basically, the Turks can change their minds and forego delivery of the S-400. And until they do that, deliveries and activities associated with the stand-up Turkey's F-35 operational capability have been suspended. Turkey has said that their deliveries of the S-400 will commence in July of this year. Now, Reuters is reporting that the next shipment of training equipment, all subsequent uh, shipments of that equipment, the related materials to the F-35 have been canceled. The aircraft is actually built by Lockheed Martin Corporation. And I just wonder, like, who was actually at the wheel on that on that decision? We're going to sell F-35s to Turkey. And then somebody at the Trump White House was like, sure, why not? Really, bros? That's that's how we're rolling. Um, the purchase has been in the works for a long time now, but the finality of it being delivered this year is what kind of brought this all on. Um, so last July, the big news story related to this was that there were going to be a hundred F-35 joint strike fighters and that the Trump administration approved that. And, uh, even the Senate, the United States Senate at the time, which was controlled by Republicans back then, if you remember very narrowly, but... They took issue with the deal because of Pastor Brunson's imprisonment and the Russian system being, even back then they knew that it was a possibility that the Russians were going to sell this S-400 missile defense to Turkey. So it seems highly unlikely that Turkey would reverse at this point. I just can't believe we sent them anything. Like why? Okay, I'm not going to belabor that point. So let's go over here. We've got this game changer, China making this decision. So this is this is pretty different from what happens here in this country. Fentanyl deliveries and and dealing in fentanyl here in this country is illegal. But we don't kill people for dealing drugs over here. In China, they do. So China announced on Monday that they would treat all variants of the powerful opioid fentanyl as controlled substances, which they pledged to do late last year when President um, President Jinping actually was here in the U.S. He made that pledge to President Trump. Um, China's export of the drug, which is a family of synthetic opioids, 
has been blamed for tens of thousands of overdoses in the United States. And it's been a source of tension between the two countries. And more recently, the kind of back and forth over the fentanyl has become a source of contention in the the, uh, actual trade war. So you've got both nations trying to negotiate their trade opportunities. And America keeps bringing up the fentanyl. So they want to get that out of the way so they can get back to actually working on trade. So this latest step expands restrictions to all fentanyl-related substances, which is effective May 1st. It also plugs gaps that uh, have allowed manufacturers in China to make novel variations of the drug that were not technically illegal. So getting around the actual illegality of fentanyl itself. He, President Trump had actually said Mr. Z made a promise to him at the Group of 20 meeting in Buenos Aires and that the formalization of that step is a game changer. So the president's been tweeting at China about how they're killing our children and destroying our country. And I, you know, I really appreciate him doing that, you know, not just talking about it through diplomatic channels, but actually making it a public issue on online social media, which the Chinese hate to be embarrassed in any way. And so it's extremely embarrassing for the president of the United States to be accusing them of killing Americans through illegal drug dealing. It just looks horrible for them. And they're, they're very, they're very like sensitive to that. So, you know, um, Oh, one more thing. I smoke is over here on the live stream and he said, uh, Erdogan hates Israel. Yeah. I mean, I just don't understand why we would ever sell them jets. What's to say they wouldn't take the jets that we sell them, the stealthy jets and use them against our ally, Israel. Um, I still understand. So, um, I think it's smart not to, and, you know, it's also smart for the president to, on the foreign policy front, really get out there ahead of this and be proactive in uh, making sure that, you know, if China has something they can do to stop fentanyl, then they should stop it before it ever even gets close to our shores. Now, we know we have transnational, uh, ter- they're terror organizations, in my opinion, these, these uh, Chinese drug cartels. And, you know, they're, they're mixing and making and doing all kinds of importation of illegal substances. And that's another problem we have to hit on. But to get the, the biggest player out of the market by having China make all of these variations illegal, it's just a huge win for us as a, as a country. So what I'm interested in doing is just I want to see the president do more of this. And I think he will. Um, obviously, the obstruction of the Democrats has been very effective, but it has not stopped the president from getting some of the things done that he promised. The border is the biggest issue. And I just encourage you again to please join in praying about that um, when you pray over your food or maybe you're already in a Bible study and you could bring it up as an issue that needs to be solved. And everyone in your Bible study may not be on the right politically, but I think we could all agree you don't want to see thousands, tens of thousands of people trapped in detention centers at the south southern border. Apparently yesterday or, or over the weekend, a bunch of migrants in the Tijuana um, like detention facility set a mattress on fire and they were protesting within the actual detention center because they expect to come here, be interviewed, and then be released into the country. They, they honestly do not even care anything about the legal uh, standards for, uh, you know, 
getting into the country. Like legal immigration, forget it. They feel like they're on the same continent we're on. They deserve to get up in here and we should just let them. All right, we have a couple minutes left. We can take a caller, Darius in North Carolina. Thank you for calling the show today. Hello, thanks for calling in. Uh-oh, it looks like we had a little bit of audio difficulty with him. Um, so thank you for calling, and I hope we can get that rectified. But I'm, I'm, I'm just interested in seeing the president be able to do more of his agenda. You know, the, the Republicans obstructed President Obama, right? But they weren't as effective as I feel like they could have been because he was still able to pass Obamacare. He was still able to take gay marriage from something that even same-sex couples are saying, we just want to be able to have the right to love who we want to love. And now we've, now they're persecuting Christians over not wanting to do business for gay weddings and things like that. The redefinition of, of marriage is, in my opinion, it's the worst thing that President Obama ushered into this country. He was able to do that even when he wasn't in charge of all parts of Congress. He, he didn't have a lock, and he was still able to do that. He just evolved on it. And then my daughters told me at dinner, this is the best way for me to be. Ah, you know, so it, again, we want to see the president be able to do his agenda, to, to get his agenda passed. And uh, some of it is undoing what President Obama did. And some of it is is new stuff that only President Trump could do from his position as a as a business person. I think it's right and good for us to continue to pray for him, obviously, and to pray for his administration. Um, I, I especially think we should be praying for the Conway family because they're they have a lot of turmoil going on. And I hate to see, you know, the public disagreements that that they're having in, in their marriage over where she works. Um, and I don't know what the solution is to that, but we should be praying for them as well. And then we just have to trust God that he's in control because he is. And uh, that's reason in enough of itself to be rejoicing and getting our shoulder dances on. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being here today. If you are leaving us now. God bless from the heartland. If you're sticking around, One News Now News and Information is up next. Keep it here.